my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. And it is fantastic uh, to be that host. Uh, it's really wonderful to be able to share with you uh, each and every day. Um, now, look, today we'd like to just give a really big welcome, uh, particularly to those of you in Western Sydney. Uh, did you know that uh, for the very first time we've just uh, started a station uh, in in, uh, in Western Sydney. This adds on a potential uh, 1.2 million viewers, uh, viewers, uh, listeners uh, from that particular uh, part of the part of the world. So if you're listening to us in uh, in somewhere in Western Sydney, uh, that's my hometown. That's where I grew up, out uh, uh, Wentworthville on the uh, uh, just on the uh, southern uh, on the western side of Parramatta. Uh, learned to drive on Parramatta Road, uh, and uh, what an experience that was. Uh, Back in the uh, uh, back in the late seventies. Uh, um, now look at the, today. Uh, we're looking at the theme. Uh, well, this week we're looking at the theme: uh, difficult questions about imperfect churches. Now, yesterday I chatted with Pastor Don Felberg. He was live uh, uh, with us from uh, Perth in West Oz, and uh, he was uh, talking about uh, why does the church have so many hypocrites? You might have heard that. Uh, uh, this claim is constantly made about the church. I don't want to become part of the church because the church has got too many hypocrites and I don't want to be in the church and be a hypocrite in the church. And uh, uh, Don gave an excellent uh, uh, biblical review answering that particular issue. Now, look, folks, if you uh, if you missed that, it's really worth uh, picking up on. Now, you can pick up on that, uh, that particular episode by going to our Faith FM app. Uh, now, our Faith FM app, you can pick that up uh, at your favourite app store. What you need to do is to look for uh, uh, Faith FM Australia. Uh, now, please don't go for Faith FM just without the Australia, because if you go for Faith FM without the Australia, uh, what you'll do is get uh, Faith FM America, and uh, that's a quality program as well, but you like the Australian uh, voices. So what you want is Faith FM Australia, and uh, you'll love everything that's, uh, that's presented. Uh, so if you want to pick up yesterday's program, all you need to do is to go to your favourite app store, search for um, Faith FM Australia, uh, and then you can replay that or any other program that you've heard on Faith FM. You can uh, listen live uh, as well. Now, look, that is really fantastic because it means that we're a low power station, which means sometimes uh, we we uh, uh, we struggle to get perfect reception in all areas. But if you listen on the app and Bluetooth it in your car uh, to your car's um, a radio, uh, you can have perfect reception everywhere you go. So guys, if you're uh, wanting to listen to Faith FM, why not download uh, the Faith FM app? It's a really a fantastic app. Um, now that was yesterday's program. Why does the church have so many hypocrites? Now today, uh, we're looking at the subject, church members in conflict 
Is it a possible? Uh, now, this is a this is a subject that so many people will say, "Amen." It is possible because they've experienced it. Um, but today, uh, we're going to be putting this question to another uh, vastly experienced pastor, a man who uh, who really has um, seen some of these issues in practical life. Our co-host today is Pastor Ricardo Schaefer. Now, Ricardo is pastor of the College Park and the Wistow Seventh Day Adventist Churches right here in South Oz. Now. Welcome to you, Ricardo. I'm delighted to be here once again, Gary. It is fantastic to have. Tell me, has the cold weather started to uh, uh, to get into your bones yet? Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. We've just. I think we're just starting on the edge of that uh, cold front, and just had this uh, drop in temperature. And it's a little bit brutal, actually, because we've been sitting on you know lovely, comfortable you know high teens, low twenties now for quite some time, and then all of a sudden it drops down today to uh, I think it's about fifteen, and tomorrow it's about to go to fourteen maxing. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is something. When I look at it, I sort of say, "Wow, uh, winter is certainly uh, on the way uh, here." Right now, um, tell me, do you have the Faith FM app downloaded on your phone? Yes, you do have. Excellent, it's a good app, isn't it? It is. It is. Do you use it in your uh, uh, in your car? I do. Okay, okay. Because I know here in Adelaide we've got uh, a couple of stations, but yes. um, uh, but sometimes you fade in and out. And uh, to me, I know I was listening just the other day, and it was so good to be listening through my app and to have that uh, Bluetooth into my car radio. And uh, what an incredible blessing uh, that uh, that actually is. Now, look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment uh, today. And I've got a, uh, gotten uh, re- some research uh, that comes from the uh, United Kingdom. And this uh, was published by the uh, uh, Premier Christian News uh, site. And it concerns uh, Christian worship music. Now, as soon as I read that, I thought, wow, I mean, uh, this is a hot button issue uh, that certainly impacted uh, many, many uh, churches. Now, this is what uh, the article said. Well, firstly, it was entitled, Research Shows That the Lifespan of a Worship Song Has Declined Dramatically in recent years. And um, this is what it said. It, it's not a long article. A new study entitled Worship at the Speed of Sound has found the lifespan of a hit worship song has heavily heavily declined in recent years. Mike Tapper, a Southern Wesleyan University professor, and his colleagues conducted the new study, uh, discovering that the pace of new music, which allows new songs to be distributed far and wide, super quickly, has played a role in the declining lifespan of songs. He also noted that the high quality of songs being produced gives church leaders an overwhelming number of options. It's hard to say, he said, that there are no great songs. Using CCLI data, he found that in the mid-1990s, a popular song like Refiner's Fire or In Secret had a lifespan of about a dozen years, rising for four or five years before hitting a slow decline. However, two decades later, that lifespan has dropped down to three to four years with songs like Even So Come and Here As In Heaven rising rapidly, then suddenly disappearing. Some songs like In Christ Alone, which turns 20 this year, or 10,000 
by Matt Redman is still going strong after a decade after many other songs have disappeared. Now, this is something that I've certainly noticed, uh, Ricardo, certainly in in Christian uh, music uh, generally, because, of course, we play a lot of Christian music online here. But we have to be really uh, circumspect about the music that we do actually uh, choose. Now, I'm just wondering, how would you respond, firstly, to the article? And have you noticed any of this this type of dynamic occurring at all? I think I have. Um, new generations seem to be always on the search for something new, for more. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be satisfied with um, just uh, one uh, music style. They want to change uh, okay. more often. It seems to have been affected by consumerism in a way. So you think, so th- that's an interesting comment that you make. So you feel that possibly Christian music is being impacted more by consumerism than by uh, maybe spiritual priorities? Yes. Okay, okay, yes, okay. Yes, Look, yes, indeed. Do, do you think that churches are, are losing anything by, by this constant turnover of music? Yes, and um, sadly, many churches are being seen as an industry rather than what it's meant to be. Okay. People worshipping a god. Okay, okay. You know, I'm interested that you actually say that because I know that um, one of the, the real challenges that I think that increasingly pastors are facing is um, to try to maintain this balance between worship and performance, because it's very yes. easy, isn't it, to create an environment where the music becomes a performance rather than being a worshipful um, uh, feature. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, okay. All right, look, let me ask you something. Do you think there's, and I know this is hugely controversial, and I I realise that, um, but um, do you think there are any dangers with the constant drive to be contemporary? There could be, because um, we tend to lose um, the purpose of going to church. Is it about me or is it about God? Mm-hmm. If it is about me, then it becomes an a show, an, mm-hmm. an entertaining uh, event. So I go to church and I can criticize it. I can demand more. I can ask for changes. It's it's just about me. Yeah. But if yeah. it was, if it is about God, then my preferences are set aside, and I try to please the God of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. I I, I know that. When I'm certainly involved in choosing uh, worship music, the thing which I find is so essential is to actually have music that's going to involve the entire congregation. Uh, I, I know that on many occasions, when that uh, when that music, I I say, actually degenerates to something that is uh, similar to a performance or a concert, at that particular point, the music starts to become problematical for the worship. Very experience, yes. and to me, uh, this is this is something that I'm I, I'm really conscious that uh, um, that, that possibly uh, needs to be reinserted the worshipful environment. And uh, to me, I know that uh, um, people um, sometimes uh, uh, sometimes say to me, "Looking you know, I mean, how do you choose worship uh, worship songs?" And I know, you know, my response to most of them has been, "Look, uh, uh, look, guys, uh, uh, to me." 
I want to have music that actually involves the congregation so that if the congregation is able to sing and mm-hmm. praise God uh, together uh, through the music, then essentially I'm I'm comfortable with that music. Yes. Um, if, however, it just simply becomes a performance by the people up the front and the congregation are not involved, to me, what I found is in almost every occasion that music is actually becomes inappropriate for mm-hmm. worship because the people are actually not worshipping. I I know, look, I'm a non-musician, but to me, and I realise that's very simplistic, uh, but I have found through the years that that standard does actually work in my selection Mm -hmm. of of Christian music. Um, But look, look, let me ask you another question. Mm. Look, what type of music does your church utilise? So I'm... I tend to encourage, you know, the church to use music that would uh, bring the attention not to the singer, not to the performer, but always to God. And I heard, for example, that in some um, Jewish services, something that I I like this, um, that some of the singers, they don't face the audience when they sing. They turn their backs to the audience. They don't want the audience to look at them. They wow. want them to join in the worship, so I I, I really like that um, yeah that practice yeah, yeah. no that, that that that's good that's good yes but look look how do you go about I mean how do you go about selecting worship music mm. some very practical uh, advice I like yeah. the acronym music okay so uh, the M stands for meaningful is the music meaningful mm-hmm. is it trivial or meaningful you know. Is it uh, diminishing the beauty and dignity of God? You know, okay. Meaningful. The U stands for untainted. Is it worldly? Is it, um, is it leading us to God or away from God towards the world? And it's very easy, isn't it, for, yeah. um, for, for, for um, religious music, because that's how I would actually term it, uh, mm-hmm. to actually uh, be replicating uh, the, uh, the language of, um, of secular music. And, uh, yes. you know, an individual has, uh, has uh, acquired a taste for secular music, mm-hmm. therefore religious music follows a very similar standard, you know. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, you know, I look at that and I say, hey, um, uh, that to me has to challenge what the scriptures do actually say, you know, whatsoever mm-hmm. things are good and honest and holy. You know, to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, there are some principles in scripture yes. that we can actually, um, we can actually apply Mm-hmm. To, to Christian to Christian music. True. Because we need to understand that it's not just the lyrics that convey a message, it's the music itself that yeah. convey a message. They now, now, now that is so important, I think, what you've actually mm-hmm. said there, that yes, the lyrics do actually convey a message, but so does the music. Exactly. I, I really appreciate that, that comment because uh, there are certainly many who would actually disagree with it, um, but I certainly, from my years of worship experience, um, I found it to be incredibly valid. True. Yeah, yeah. But look, finish off that uh, that list. You, you, you so, would. okay. The S stands for spiritual. It needs yeah. to be spiritual. Yeah. According yeah. to God's word, not carnal, as as the Bible mentions. It, the I stands for s- inspirational. Yeah. Instead of 
being degrading, mm. inspirational, ennobling, elevating. And the C stands for clear. In other yeah. words, not confusing, not disguised. It needs to be a clear message um, in the lyrics and in the music itself. Do you think there's still a place for the Christian hymns? Yes, of course. You do? Yes. Okay, okay. So your churches would would, would sing Christian, the traditional hymns of the past? Yes, and also some contemporary music as well, because the word contemporary only means recent. Yes, yes, new. yes. So the fact that, it's, that it is new or contemporary doesn't need to be something bad, as long as as it, it, it respects the principles that we yeah. just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate what you've actually said there. You know, to me, I know in my church, uh, you know, I love the uh, certainly the, the traditional hymns of the past, mm-hmm. but I love the uh, some of the uh, some of the more um, recent music as well. I think to yes. be able to actually use both, but selectively chosen. Exactly. Um, look, folks, why don't we come to one of the uh, what I would call one of the great hymns of the uh, contemporary era? Uh, love this uh, this particular song. This is uh, Michael W. Smith and the uh, uh, the song is uh, Ancient Words. Uh, please enjoy.
that, of course, is uh, Michael W. Smith, and uh, the song is, uh, the hymn is Ancient Words, and I'd suggest to you it's probably one of the greatest of the um, contemporary uh, batch of uh, Christian music that has actually been been composed. A beautiful, beautiful song. I love uh, that uh, that particular uh, that particular uh, song. Uh, now, folks, look, we do have a giveaway uh, for you today. Now, all this week, we're giving away this uh, this book. Now, the book uh, uh, is Your Bible and You. Now, this is the paperback uh, edition. This is a fantastic book. Now, look, folks, I have this book in my own library. Uh, I keep it in my library because, to me, it is far too, too valuable valuable. Uh, if you ever thought the Bible was dry and impersonal, uh, this book uh, will convince you otherwise. Now, this was written by uh, Arthur Maxwell. Arthur Maxwell also wrote the 10-volume uh, Bible uh, story for, for children. He writes in an incredible, incredibly simple uh, way. Uh, there's nothing complex. There's nothing theological about what he, he presents, but the truth he presents in uh, such a wonderful way. He brings together are, are scriptural concepts that many people have wondered about. Wondered about, uh, you know, questions like, you know, um, what is the Bible? If you've ever wanted a, just a crash course in what is the Bible, uh, this is the book you need. You know, which version? Uh, is best uh, to 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 get. Um, how do you read uh, your Bible uh, so that it makes uh, some some sense? How can I have how can I have peace? How can I live? A victorious Christian life. There's an entire chapter on that particular question, and it is worth reading. Uh, why some prayers? Why aren't they answered? Why is there so much suffering? Why did how did evil uh, begin? Were there any prophecies that came true? What about the signs of our times? Are there any issues today um, that were spoken about? In the Word of God. Now, look, he answers all these in a question and answer style. It's a really beautiful book. Now, guys, look, um, if you haven't applied for uh, any of our other books, this is the one um, to to actually grab. Uh, it's well worth it. It covers uh, so much ground. Now, look, if you'd like this book, this paperback edition of your Bible and you, uh, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our text number is o four triple eight eight o eight. 11. Now that number again is 04888808811. And all you needed to do is to text us our code. Now the code for this week's book is SA43. Now SA43, no gap between the SA and the 43. Uh, just uh, SA43, just send that uh, to 04888808811 and that'll go directly to our friend Faithful. Now Faithful's a robot, uh, so you won't be speaking to anybody, just a robot. And uh, he'll come back to you and he'll ask you some questions to uh, allow us to get this book to you in the fastest uh, possible uh, possible way. Um, we'd love to provide you with this book. So if you'd like the book, Your Bible and You, SA43, to o four triple eight eight o eight eleven, and uh, we'll get this to you in the next uh, day or two. 
Now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, and we want to say a big hello again to all our, our listeners in Western Sydney who have just turned on their uh, transmitters over there. Uh, that's uh, that's a fantastic development. Uh, you are listening to a big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor uh, Ricardo Schaefer, and uh, Ricardo is pastor of the College Park and Wistow uh, Seventh-day Adventist Churches here in uh, here in South Oz. And this week, um, we're looking at the theme, Difficult Questions About Imperfect Churches. Now, um, that means that we're probably looking at uh, uh, almost every church. Uh, yesterday, I chatted with Pastor Don Feldberg about uh, this claim, you know, why does the church have so many Hypocrites. You've heard that claim many times, no doubt. I don't want to become a Christian because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, today, we're looking at the, uh, at the subject, uh, church members in conflict. Is it possible? And of course, what do we do about, uh, about church members being in conflict? Uh, do you know, Ricardo, it's probably the one of the most unfortunate things in in any human organization. At some point, it it's almost that conflict is almost in certain uh, to to actually appear. You know, I I actually recall being minister to what had actually been a a large congregation of it was about originally about two hundred plus members, uh, and uh, just before my arrival, and in fact, I was brought into this particular area because of this uh, this conflict. I'm not sure what I had done wrong to deserve this, okay. um, but in the uh, in the August or the September, the church had actually split down the middle, and half the congregation had gone to worship somewhere else, and uh, one and the congregation itself uh, was still in uh, in its original uh, building. Uh, now, of course, the conflict on this particular occasion was over over worship. Um, now, I I came in, and uh, I'm not sure why, but I was appointed as pastor of both groups. Um, you know, Ricardo, I, I'm just so conscious that that uh, that both groups had so many hurting people in them. Um, now, it's actually significant that you know over three or four years, both congregations, because they did start to worship separately, and uh, we were able to work through some of that hurt, uh, but. Both congregations were able to start growing again. And uh, so I think we started to work through this particular process. But, you know, Ricardo, I'm just so conscious that it just seems that uh, conflict is part of human organizations. Now, look, 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 just tell us, I mean, how are we to regard um, this, this sort of, this sort of stuff? You know, conflict in churches? Mm. Is it possible? What do we do about it? Really, whenever people are involved, there is conflict because that's our nature. We are not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so it happens with churches as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's certainly one of the things we've talked about, certainly on this program before that, you know, we have got human natures. And uh, human nature is so uh, willing to defend itself. Uh, that often the 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 human nature tends to rule instead of the spirit of God ruling, uh, which mm-hmm. of course is the scriptural intention. Yes, it's in our selfish nature. Even when we are little babies and we yeah. start to speak, you oftentimes see little babies say things like, "This is mine. This is mine." Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they are starting to display the sinful nature. Yeah, yeah. But but look, tell me something. Uh, 
was this i mean sometimes we hear that in the for example the new testament church you know that was the ideal church did the did the early christian church did they suffer from any of these issues at all yes indeed many okay <laughs> can where where whereabouts and i still think that that is the ideal for us to you know to imitate but um the bible has a lot of examples of this mm-hmm. the early church suffered from missiological Issues. They had missiological conflict, which Hang means on. What, uh, what is missiological? What is that? Basically, how to carry out the mission of the church of the church. Okay. How okay. do we go about it? Yep. What, you yep. know what's the approach to be used? They also suffered from theological conflict. Okay. Um, also from re- relational conflict, legal conflict. So, can you give us some examples of uh, of what's actually happening there in the New Testament? Um, yes, for example, in Acts 15, verse 1, we find a missiological issue here, that, you know, how to carry out the mission. And it says, And certain men came down from Judea to Antioch um, and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, that created a big problem. Okay. If we keep on reading, verse 2 says, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas um, had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question because that was creating a lot of issues. The new converts, the Gentile converts to Christianism, were burdened with this extra requirement of circumcision. Okay, so really you've got, you know, you've got as much a cultural issue here as you have a theological issue because, you know, coming from a Judah, uh, a Jewish perspective, uh, those converts would have all been circumcised. Yes. Um, the, the Gentiles were not circumcised. And there's conflict, and the question that the church is forced to answer is this question, you know, in order to become a Christian, mm-hmm. do you need to be circumcised? I mean, yes. this is a, this is a, you know, to us, we sort of look at that today and say, well, you know, what a, you know, what a silly question is how most of us would risk. But in the New Testament church, this was an absolutely major issue. It was. Okay. It was. Moses was, was very highly respected, as, as you all know. Um, in Judaism, and when Jewish people got converted into Christianism, they con- they wanted to continue practicing mm-hmm. uh, those ceremonial aspects of the law of Moses. And of course, this is what happened with the, you know, there was conflict there. Certainly you get uh, Acts chapter 15, I think, where a big conference, and this was the first conference of the uh, Christian church was formed there. And then I think even the the book of Galatians, you know, during um, Galatia, you know, in in writing to Galatia, uh, Paul is actually dealing with this particular subject because there's conflict there. This is, in fact, what triggered the first council at Jerusalem. Okay. This issue okay. over circumcision. Um, the solution that they uh, used, or the approach that they used to solve this issue was that they consulted with the leaders, the elders, the members of the church. They, In other words, they did not act as lone rangers, which is very important not to do. Okay. They consulted okay. with each other. So, in other words, this is a corporate issue that we're dealing with. Yes. And, uh, um, uh, and to deal with the corporate issue, they were prepared to come together 
talk about the issue and then come to a resolution. But to me, I think the significant thing is is that uh, they're constantly going back to, you know, what is the Word of God uh, actually yes. actually saying on these particular matters? You know, uh, how does the uh, how does the Holy Spirit uh, impacted our minds? But also, what is the Word of God actually mm-hmm. saying to me? I think this is this is so key to understanding this corporate issue but tell me was there any conflict between personalities in the in the new testament because i'm so conscious that uh, you know what often happens particularly at you know local churches is that yes you get the um uh, the the big you know corporate discussions and even today this uh, uh these corporate discussions are going on i mean i think of the issue of uh you know uh should uh, uh should gay marriage be accepted i mean this is huge through the church and mm-hmm. you know church is traditionally are not going back to the word of God on this issue. Mm-hmm. It's being solved on a very political basis. Sure. Um, but um, but as far as personality is concerned, were this, was there any personality conflict in the New Testament? Yes, of course. And I'm going to give you an example that may surprise a lot of people here. Um, even among the big ones of the of the New Testament, among Paul and Barnabas, there was personal issues or conflict. Relational conflict. Oh, wow. Can you just open that out just a little bit more and just tell us a bit more about that? Because those are probably two of the biggest names in the New Testament. So this happened right after or shortly after this big council that they held at Jerusalem Mm -hmm. over the circumcision issue. Um, If we go to Acts 15, 36 and 38, it says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing, which is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Now, this was Mark, the one who wrote the second gospel. Yes, yes. And he was actually a cousin with uh, Barnabas. Ah, so there's a family tie here. Yeah. Okay, that's important. (laughs) That's important. You find this in Colossians 4.10 if you want to read it. Yes, yes. So... um, Barnabas was now determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul, you know, he insisted, because he was of a strong character, he insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, what's going on there? So apparently Mark was with them in a previous missionary um, journey and Mm -hmm. had... um, Returned before the project was finished, so he had actually um, opted out. Uh, yes. You know, instead of going forward in in For ministry, he'd packed up and gone home. Yes, and Paul didn't like that. Wow! So when Barnabas said, "Let's bring along Mark," Paul said, "No, no, no, we we're not going to bring him." Maybe he thought he's going to do the same thing. <laughs> you know, and so but they were both strong characters, Barnabas and Paul. So. Um, <laughs> It says here in verse 39 that then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. I think that was the best thing to do. That's fairly extreme, isn't it? You know, I yes. mean, here we've got two, well, I would call them evangelists. I mean, these yes. are the equivalent of, you know, the, the, the big evangelists. There's two big evangelists and they're both saying, hey, look, you know, um, uh, there's this assistant and, uh, Barnabas is saying, look, I want to use the assistant. And, mm. uh, Paul is saying, no, 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 we're not going to use this assistant. And the contention, it says, becomes so sharp. Yes. So they turn around and say, well, uh, Paul, 
is going to go and do ministry on the left and uh, Barnabas is going to do it on the right. Yes. And uh, uh, one of them, that's Barnabas, has got John Mark with them. The other one goes and I think selects Silas, yes. I think, is that. Silas. Uh, and uh, he goes and does ministry somewhere else. And yes. You sort of say, hey, you know, I mean, this is a conflict in the Christian church. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, what was the result of it? Well, on this occasion, there was two evangelistic teams mm. formed. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, hey, I would find it hard to work for Paul, I think. <laughs> True. But in a way, in, I mean, um, the winner was the Holy Spirit because now you ended up with two mission trips instead of one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and I, I don't, I th- actually think they did the, the best thing because if they would have stayed together, it would have gotten really serious. But I think, I think you make a good point there that what we've actually got here is that in the early Christian church, uh, even amongst the leadership, there were times of conflict. You know, I think of another mm-hmm. occasion when, um, I think where, uh, um, uh, Paul says to Peter, now you don't mm-hmm. get bigger than Paul and Peter, mm-hmm. uh, Paul and Peter, and, uh, Paul says, uh, uh, something about a similar issue here. They actually have a disagreement and mm-hmm. they disagree publicly uh, over that particular issue. And, you know, as I look at that, I sort of say, hey, uh, given the world that I'm actually living in now, uh, sometimes we say, hey, you know, there should be never a conflict in the church. And yet in the New Testament, we see examples where uh, there was conflict. Is it God's ideal? No, it Mm. most certainly is not God's ideal. Mm. But uh, somehow it's, it's human people who Mm. are trying to do a divine work. Now, ideally... The Holy Spirit um, uh, is softening those individuals. But, you know, the thing yes, I'm conscious yes. of, Ricardo, is how easy it is for the uh, the softening of the Holy Spirit to disappear and suddenly an old nature mm-hmm. starts to jump up and uh, impact the individual and all of a sudden, hey, uh, there's, you know, the old Peter, the old Paul, mm-hmm. you know, starting to, uh, to make uh, speeches that uh, uh, really... Uh, are very inappropriate. Yes, and and conflict can also be good sometimes because it can lead to improvement. When you look at, and I, I admire the Apostle Peter yeah. because he was able to take that uh, rebuke gracefully. Yeah, and that resulted in growth. I like I like that I like that because sometimes conflict is actually not a negative a negative thing. Mm. Look, let's have a little bit of a break there. Let's come to uh, Gavin Chatillier, and uh, uh, the word uh, here is uh, uh, as uh, as water uh, to the thirsty, and indeed that's exactly what the word of God is. Um, uh, Gavin's a, a good friend of mine. Really appreciate his music. Uh, he's a great country and western singer. Please enjoy Gavin Chatillier um, as water. Uh, to the thirsty. As water to the thirsty, as beauty to the eyes, as strength that follows weakness, as truth. Instead of lies, as summertime and springtime and summertime to be, so is my Lord, my living Lord, so is my Lord to me. I come in place of clamor, like peace that follows pain. 
like sunshine after rain, like moonlight and starlight and sunlight on the sea. So is my Lord, my living Lord. So is my Lord to me. Gavin Chatillier, and uh, he is uh, he's singing as water to the thirsty. Love that country and western uh, style. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Gavin. Really do uh, appreciate. Uh uh, appreciate what uh, what you what you're singing there. Uh, now, look, guys. One uh, one other before we come to our special off- offer. Just uh, uh, something that's occurring here in Adelaide that you may love. If you look, if you're in Adelaide, you'd love to come to to this. Now, Saturday the 14th of May at 11 a.m. Uh, now uh, we're at the Brighton Seventh Day Adventist Church, Amelia Street, Hove. Uh, we're hosting a listener guest day. Uh, now, this is going to be an absolute fantastic uh, day at my uh, Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church and um, we've got uh, uh, Pastor Robbie Bergen uh, preaching uh, now uh, Robbie uh, hosts one of our other uh, programs right here on uh, Faith FM and uh, he's going to be preaching a sermon entitled What People Think uh, Jesus Taught uh, now this will be a brilliant uh, brilliant sermon uh, this is something you must hear now look uh, if you'd like to join us. We'd love to have you come and join with us. There will be a light lunch served afterwards if you'd like to stay, uh, but uh, certainly no no pressure on uh, on that. Uh, that's Saturday the 14th of May. That's not this Saturday, but the following Saturday at 11am. Um, this is a listener guest day uh, at my Brighton uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church here in, uh, in Adelaide, and uh, that's going to be commencing at 11am Amelia Street, 
Hove and uh, Robbie is uh, uh, is sharing on what people think uh, Jesus taught. Now, look, we also do have a uh, uh, that giveaway book. Once again, the uh, giveaway book is your Bible and you, and this is the paperback edition. This is a really great book by uh, Arthur Maxwell, an incredibly simple book. This is the sort of book that you could very easily uh, w- read for your personal worship uh, day by day. I absolutely love uh, this uh, this book. Uh, now, look, if you'd like your own copy of your Bible and you, what you need to do is to text us uh, here at the the studio. And our text number again is. Four triple eight eight zero eight eleven. That number again is o four triple eight. 80811 and all you need to do is to text us our code and that's SA43 SA43 and uh, that will go directly to our robot it won't go to a human at all just to our to our robot but don't be frightened by him uh, because uh, he's a friendly uh, robot and uh, he'll text you back and ask you a, ask you a few questions so that we can uh, get the information that we need to get this uh, book to you in the fastest possible way that book again is your Bible and you, it's the paperback edition uh, and a marvellous book, uh, just text us here at our text number 04888 and the code is SA43 and that book uh, will be on the road uh, by the, uh, in, in the in the fastest possible way in the next uh, uh, day or day or two. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is uh, Pastor Ricardo Schaefer and uh, Ricardo is pastor of the College Park and Wistow uh, Seventh-day Adventist churches here in South Oz. And uh, this week we're following the theme, uh, Difficult Questions About Imperfect Churches. Uh, and yesterday I was chatting with uh, Pastor Don Felberg about why does the church have so many hypocrites? And today we're looking at church members in conflict is it possible? Now, Ricardo, I really appreciate what you've shared there that, uh, you know, certainly in the New Testament days, that in many ways we sort of idealize the New Testament as being a perfect church. And yet in the New Testament church, there was even conflict in, uh, in that, uh, first era. But, um, look, um, you know, why does it happen and, and what's the solution to it? We've got about, about 10 minutes before we need to, need to finish up. So can you mm. compress it into that? Sure. And I'd like to use the Bible to show why it, this happens. You okay, know? okay. Uh, so, um, why does conflict happen? James 4, 1 to 4. I love these verses. And you know that we must realize that wars don't actually begin at the battlefield. They they start in the human heart. That's right. And this is That's what right. these verses are yes. going to, yes. to talk about. So, um, James 4, verses 1 to 4 say, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Yeah. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In other words, here what we've got is um, James is talking to the church and the problem that he identifies is the human heart. That's it. That's why they had conflict. 
You know, that's a huge challenge to us as, you know, certainly as pastors, but also to those who are involved in uh, Christian churches generally, uh, because it tells me how quickly it's possible for the human heart to actually rule over spiritual priorities. You know, it can happen, you know, we saw earlier today, it can happen in the area of music. It can happen in the area of media. Mm-hmm. It can happen uh, in the area of interpersonal relationships. It can happen in the area of marriage. Uh, do you know, to me, as I look at this, to me, there's a huge challenge that goes out to certainly Christian people in, in what you've actually just read. Yes. And because the problem lies in the human heart, the solution is also there if we allow Jesus to come into our hearts. And that's why uh, James continues in verses 7 and 8. He says, submit yourselves then to God. In other words, therefore, because of what I just said, submit to God. Mm. Resist the devil because you've submitted to God and he will flee from you. Mm. You will overcome, in other words. Mm. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. I like that word, double-minded. That means people who are living with one foot in the church with God and the other foot is in the world with godly pleasures. Yeah. You cannot have a double life. Yeah. And that's the reason why there are conflicts in the church because yeah. we're not fully committed to God. Yeah. No, look, I appreciate it. You know, I well remember on one particular occasion I actually had two church deacons actually that you know they had fallen out over an incident that occurred years ago and no matter what you know i said or anybody else said um both of them recognized that there was a problem here and the problem was in the other person um you know yes, how yes. easy it is to actually be able to identify and say hey you know i there's a problem here and there he is over there you know yes. so easy for this to actually take place and uh, uh whereas with the word of god it says no 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 the way it mm. works is that the problem is actually in the individual human heart and it actually yes. takes uh, two human hearts to actually be in conflict. That's right. And you see that issue displayed in so many marriages, for example. Um, uh, when the husband prays to God and says, please change my wife. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, please God, show me what I'm doing wrong yeah. so you can change me. You know, yeah. we always tend to uh, criticize and accuse the others. Because That's a radical thought that you've actually. I mean, there, there are some people that would, you know. I mean, I'm, you, you're in a good, good spot here, a long way from everybody. But you know, what you're saying has got a great deal of truth to it. You know, the, to me, as I look at that, I say, yeah, I mean, conflict, uh, and that's even between Christian couples. That's right. Often, often. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, bring it together for us. All right, Jesus has some word of advice. Very good. Uh, how to deal with conflict. Mm-hmm. According to Jesus, Matthew eighteen fifteen to 20, he said this, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How different than us that is, mm-hmm. right? When someone sins against us or offends us, uh, we go like, I'm not going to say anything because he started it. Or better still, I go and put yeah. it on Facebook. 
Yeah, I'm going to publish that. I'm going to publish their <laughs> their offences all far or wide. You know, yes. I mean, to me as a, as a pastor, you know, one of the uh, one of the devices that I wish I could throw into the depths of the sea is actually Facebook because <laughs> I have seen Facebook and Twitter uh, actually uh, yes, yes. create uh, more conflict mm. uh, than I can possibly name. I, wow. I I know I've spoken to so many people, and oh, this person has said that about me on Facebook, yes. and I've simply said, hey, stop publishing stuff on. On Facebook, yes. and in fact, I've actually said to some people, "Hey, look, I want you to stop texting the other person. What I want you to do is, I want you to go and talk to them face to face, because when yeah. you do that, um, it becomes far more difficult uh, to be as accusative Definitely. as what is actually occurring." Yes, and so oftentimes we say that we are a family in the church. But if you think of your family, if someone makes a mistake in your family, would you publish that on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a, that's a very valid point. <laughs> Yet we say we are a family in, a, in the church, and when someone makes a mistake. Yeah. I'd go so far, actually, Ricardo, to say, <laughs> look, you know, to me, um, if a person is publishing someone else's faults on Facebook, they are automatically in the wrong uh, because yes. to me, as I, uh, and I know this is challenging, but in most cases, I find it's actually correct. It would not be Christian. What yeah. Jesus just said was, take the initiative. When someone offends you, you take the initiative. Go to them. Go alone yeah. and have a chat. Alone. Alone. Yeah. But the others can't see it if I'm, yeah. Yeah, okay, keep going, okay. <laughs> when this Jesus continued, uh, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two, well, not the whole church, but just one or two, yeah, yeah. Uh, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And then he says, and if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. Only then. That's mm. the last resort. Mm. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And of course, uh, we have to treat them as someone uh, that we need to reach out to. And that's exactly the point. That doesn't mean a heathen or a tax collector is not someone we actually push away. Exactly. But it's one we actually work for their conversion. Yeah. They go to the list of, um, <laughs> uh, of people that they go onto the list of people that I'm going to pray for. Exactly. It goes onto the list of uh, people that I'm going to um, minister yeah, to. They go to the IC unit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not. You know, these are. I may not be able to relate to them, but I'm going to do everything I possibly can that's right. uh, to be able to redeem them. And that's what he means mm. there. You know, so often I've heard people say, "Ah, oh, that means I can actually push them away." But hey, I don't mm. push away tax collectors. That's not my aim. My aim is to win them for Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. Yeah. 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 But keep going. I'm cutting you off again. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> uh, so um, then after that, Jesus added, As shortly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, and this is you as in plural. Plural, the church here. Yeah, that's in the church. Yes. You lo- whatever you lose on, on earth will be loosed in heaven. That means that I will back you up. Yeah. That decision yeah. of, of um, uh, considering one as a publican or a tax collector will be backed up by heaven as well. In other words, there are times when a person becomes so divisive, and I'm conscious that there are times when, certainly in my ministry, uh, where I've had to say to somebody, uh, look, um, what you're doing is become so divisive, uh, really, it's possibly better that, you know, you, you know, you worship somewhere else. And I have actually had to say that to, to individuals, particularly 
when they start publishing things mm. about church members that are incorrect and false. But, you know, it's the church itself that's actually given that authority to be able to do that. And there are times when the church has to do it. And I believe the yes. church sometimes errs by not taking uh, those stands because sometimes people uh, do uh, fall into that uh, that yes. particular category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Ricardo, our time is almost up. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. I want to say thank you for being our Lord and our God. Lord, we're so human. Uh, Lord, we've made so many mistakes. Lord, we struggle so often. Uh, but Lord, I want to say thank you uh, that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we might rise above uh, these things. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us when our humanity uh, bubbles to the surface. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit will change us. May we become more like the wonderful Jesus. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor uh, Pastor Gary and Pastor Ricardo on Drive Time, a big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and uh, Pastor Hugh Heenan spend the entire time looking at the question, abuse in the church. Could that be real? Really look forward uh, to being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.